Happy Monday, everybody. My name is Brandon Rosa, and welcome to another episode of the Xbox in 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. Every Monday, this podcast covers new game releases, the previous week's gaming news, and we all learn an Xbox-related fun fact together. This show is on podcast services around the world, so please subscribe on your favorite, tell a friend, and leave a review. Xboxin10.com, no numbers, is your quick source for links to all of our podcast destinations and social media profiles, which you can follow at Xboxin10. To start, let's talk game releases. The big game out last week was Sid Meier's Civilization VI, and only three games coming out this week on the holiday weekend, The Escapists slash The Escapist 2, Five Night at Freddy's HD, and Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. Now into last week's biggest news stories, and we have eight to cover this week. Number one, Xbox Scarlet aims to support Microsoft's Play Anywhere scheme. Matt Perslow at IGN writes, Xbox head Phil Spencer has said that Microsoft aims to support its Play Anywhere scheme in the next generation, allowing cross-play, cross-buy, cross-saves, and achievements across Xbox One, Xbox Scarlet, and Windows PC platforms. Talking to Survivor at XO19, Spencer said, quote, Our goal for our first-party games is that your entitlements will be cross-generation and your achievements will move effectively with your save game because that's where they stand. Microsoft aims to make the transition between Xbox One and Xbox Scarlet to be smoother than that seen between the Xbox 360 and Xbox One. Quote, Xbox 360 to One shouldn't have been two self-contained silos either, Spencer said. We talked about how important digital was going to be this generation, and yet we didn't move the digital purchases that you made on 360 seamlessly over to Xbox One. I always thought that was a miss. Spencer also hopes that third-party developers will take inspiration from Play Anywhere, but notes that the situation is out of Microsoft's hands. We think it's a good thing that third-party games allow more players to play their games, but it's a relationship with their parties. They own their content, he said. Just like some third parties are in Game Pass, and some are not, and that's their choice. It's refreshing to hear that they have a good approach for this console generation changeover. Given that we had mid-generation upgrades in the Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro, this generation isn't going to seem like such a big hop, as really the focus is going to be on 4K gaming, decreased load times, but it's nice with backwards compatibility for all of our games and accessories that they are really striving for Xbox Play Anywhere, supporting all achievements, buys, and saves on all platforms for Xbox. Number 2. Update, Xbox has issued a clarification on exclusive titles being developed for xCloud. Sean Carey at True Achievements writes, Update, Xbox has issued a clarification surrounding the interview with Survivor and exclusive titles being developed for Project xCloud. Xbox is still taking the approach of game streaming being complementary to console and is not looking to develop cloud-exclusive content at this time. An Xbox spokesperson said, We are very early in the multi-year journey for Project xCloud, which is currently in public preview. We are investigating a variety of new capabilities made possible by the cloud. However, we remain committed to an approach with game streaming that is complementary to console and have no plans for cloud-exclusive content at this time. Although there isn't too much here on this new story, I wanted to share it as I did see the original story making the rounds about exclusive titles for Project X Cloud, which never made sense to me with the vision that Microsoft has with Xbox and giving us, the players, the ability to play the games that we want on any device with anyone we want. Number 3. Xbox Game Pass means not every game needs to be a service, Microsoft says. Jordan Ramby at GameSpot writes, Microsoft wants Game Pass to help alleviate the pressure developers might feel to design their next title as a game as a service. By launching on Game Pass, a game's delivery system can be the service that players buy into, keeping them invested in coming back to play future games. Quote, you don't have to go and make a service, Microsoft GM of Games Marketing Aaron Greenberg told BG247. Game Pass gives those creators a lot of flexibility. If you want to deliver something in chapters, like we're doing with Tell Me Why and Don't Nod, that's okay too. If you want your game to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and no DLC, and no other transactions, and just a single player game, that's also fine. 
Games as a service is a term used to describe games that rely on post-launch monetization to continually support the game with additional content, something you see a lot in free-to-play games like Apex Legends. Greenberg explained that Game Pass as its subscription service is designed to essentially fill that role, allowing developers to design multiplayer or single-player games and tie them to a monthly subscription without the need to include loot boxes or price tag on post-launch DLC. By tying their passion projects to Game Pass, developers can still make money off their smaller games that might not sell as well as the longer ones. The idea is that we really want a diversity of content in the types of games and experiences for our fans, and especially for our Game Pass owners. And the types of games and content that these new studios are bringing in in particular really round out what we traditionally have built with our internal studios, Greenberg said. It's cool to read how Aaron Greenberg markets Game Pass to be another model instead of games as a service. And for the millionth time on the show, if you're an Xbox gamer and you don't have Game Pass, you are missing out on the best value in gaming. Number 4. Phil Spencer wants more RPGs from Xbox Game Studios in the future. Sean Carey at True Treatments writes, In an interview with Xbox On, Phil Spencer revealed more about what genre he believes Xbox Game Studios should be focusing on in the future. According to Spencer, the RPG genre is something that has worked well in the past for Xbox, and role-playing games should be an area that its studio should target looking forward. Spencer said RPGs are stepping up for us, and recalls when Xbox had a number of exclusives in the genre. When I think Mass Effect 1, which I worked on, Jade Empire, Fable, I remember we had really staked out RPGs as something that was important. With the acquisitions of Obsidian and In Exile into Xbox Game Studios, it seems that RPGs are still important to Xbox, and that a focus on the genre is still there. It's nice with the Outer Worlds coming out, Wasteland, I think RPG is an area we purposely focused on and wanted to do more. The Outer Worlds has been well received by critics and fans like and has probably proved to Xbox that there is still an audience for the single player RPG, especially when it comes to Xbox Game Pass. As we're watching Xbox Game Pass grow and grow, we're seeing more genres enter, and whether it's genres that used to be popular and coming back or creators trying new things because they have an audience, it's always there and they can think how to deliver stories to those people. Looking forward, Spencer said, I do think RPG is an area we should focus. It's great to see Phil focus on RPGs. I myself am a big RPG fan and I would love for Xbox to get back to it. Now Phil, go strike up a deal with Bioware and Star Wars and Disney and let's get a new Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game just like on the original Xbox. Number 5. Toyota returns to the Forza franchise next month. Luke Riley at IGN writes, Playground Games has announced that Toyota will be returning to the Forza Horizon series next month. The much-loved 1998 Toyota Super RZ will be available in Forza Horizon 4 as part of the Series 17 update on December 12th. The news came via a fun reveal at the end of the team's latest update livestream and was repeated via the official Forza Motorsport Twitter account. In the follow-up Forza Monthly stream, community manager Brian Eckberg clarified that Toyota subdivision Lexus is also part of the deal. Moving ahead, you guys can expect cars from Toyota, from Lexus, maybe even Scion to be in Forza for years to come, said Eckberg. For all you racing game, Forza, and car fans, I'm sure this is big news for you. I myself have never really gotten into the genre, but I did love Burnout 3 Takedown and Burnout Revenge. Number 6, and my favorite news story of the week, Sources, Resident Evil 3 Remake in Development. Tom Phillips said Eurogamer writes, Capcom will follow its successful Resident Evil 2 remake with the new version of Resident Evil 3, a report today suggests. This comes from YouTuber Spawn Wave, who said it was on track for a 2020 launch. Eurogamer has heard of the project also, sources close to its development suggest it has been in development for some time. Although the franchise's upcoming multiplayer portion Project Resistance is currently being given the spotlight. 
Development on the game has been hinted at more or less by Capcom itself in the past. The developer suggested more remakes of its classic back catalog would follow if Resident Evil 2 sold well. Albeit not surprising news as this has been hinted at for a while, it is very exciting as a huge Resident Evil fan to learn that there are more sources suggesting it is real. The confusing part for me though is that if this is saying it's coming out in 2020, when are they going to launch Project Resistance? Because it's not coming out this year so they're going to launch two Resident Evil games next year? Time will tell. Number 7. Modern Warfare Update brings back fan favorite mode, Infinity War leaves in patch note acknowledging footstep noise issue. Joseph Noop at IGN writes, Call of Duty Modern Warfare's latest patch has added in an old favorite game mode, Gun Game. Has returned to Call of Duty, but data miners have also discovered evidence of a fan favorite map remake that may be on the way according to US Gamer. For those unfamiliar, Gun Game pits a group of players against each other in a free-for-all style match where each player starts with a weaker weapon and must work their way up to stronger weapons by reaching certain kill counts. The first to a certain tier, or whoever has the highest ranking at the end of the match, wins the game. Reddit user Scalo, who previously leaked the supposed existence of a new Battle Royale mode in Map in Modern Warfare, has also managed to procure a now-deleted image of an unfinished loading screen for Crash, a fan-favorite map from 2007's Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2. Charlie Intel has also reported on the data mining of a supposed new map, dubbed Cargo, which appears to possibly be a remake of the Wetwork map, which features a design similar to the first story mission in Modern Warfare, Crew Expendable. Neither Activision nor Infinity Ward has confirmed the existence of any leaked information, and it's important to note that just because data is in a game's files doesn't necessarily mean it's part of the developer's plan. Beyond that, the 1.09 update makes some notable tweaks. Footstep noise, a very popular issue in the Modern Warfare community, has been reduced, although apparently not as much as Infinity Ward would have liked. Charlie Intel reports that Infinity Ward's patch notes originally contained what appeared to be an internal note meant just for the development team. This is a hot topic in the community, and this is not the change that they were hoping to see, the note reads. According to Charlie Intel, our core players want to see footstep volume dramatically reduced. It seems like only great news continues to come out for Modern Warfare besides the community's issues with footstep noise, but I love all the leaks about a new Battle Royale map, Crash coming back, and a remake of Wet Work. Love it all. And number 8. Report Bioware doubling down on Anthem might bring it back as Anthem 2.0. ONS Good at Polygon writes, Bioware is working to overhaul and redeploy Anthem, potentially as an all-new product on shelves, according to a Kotaku report, quoting anonymous sources at the studio. EA itself declined to comment on the story. The salvage operation hints at the present state of the multiplayer loot shooter, which has seen big-name project managers depart recently and was dumped into the EA Access catalog seven months after its February launch. Still, Anthem 2.0, or Anthem Next, as it is reportedly being informally referred to, will deliver a drastically changed game involving the mission structure, loot, and world itself, according to Kotaku's Jason Schreier. Anthem launched in almost a complete dysfunction with performance problems and a bland design that failed to deliver on the game's marketing hype. Kotaku also detailed the manifold problems in Anthem's conception and development back in April, which drew a very defensive reply from Bioware and Electronic Arts. Not soon after, Bioware began backtracking on an ambitious 90-day roadmap of post-run support that developers had drawn up. That delayed by three months the release of Cataclysm, endgame content that is a staple of the open world, massively multiplayer loot shooters that Anthem was meant to compete with. Cataclysm finally arrived in August but failed to energize the game's remaining player base. Kotaku's reports cautions that many of the details are still in flux and there's no clear timeline for Anthem's makeover, whatever it entails. Developers are considering a series of updates similar to what was seen with No Man's Sky, which struggled during its launch in 2016, but recovered in 2018 with a comprehensive update called No Man's Sky Next. Bioware could also release Anthem 2.0 as an entirely new game, Kotaku reported, though it's unlikely that original Anthem owners would be forced to purchase the game again. 
Everyone loves to dunk on Anthem, but it was one of the best-selling games of the year. Clearly it has a ton of problems, but I actually enjoyed my time with it. I actually thought the gameplay was really fun, although the story was disappointing. I did enjoy my time with some of the side characters in between missions. It'll be interesting to see what they could do with an Anthem 2.0 and if I could get some of my friends to play with me. As always, we end our show with a fun fact about Xbox, and this one is by Andrew Smith on TheGamer.com. Taking a big hit. As I'm sure you are probably well aware by now, the original Xbox took a loss of $4 billion over four years. You might be wondering how a company like Microsoft could allow such a thing to happen, but the answer to why is actually a bit complex. At the time, Microsoft was new to the console market and such as consumers didn't know if they could trust them to deliver. This, coupled with the fact that the console actually cost the company a little over $400 to make, complicated matters. So how did it get so expensive? Well, for starters, it had a hard drive embedded into it, something that no other console had at the time, along with an internal power supply. Blackley stated that they could have easily lowered the price if they had removed the hard drive, but he felt it was the way of the future. It turns out we have him to thank for its implementation ever since. And man, isn't it nice to no longer live in a world dependent upon memory cards? Thank you all for listening to the Xbox in 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast service, share with your friends, and follow on all social media at Xbox in 10. This past week I've had nearly no time to play games, but I'm excited to get back into Jedi Fallen Order as I've been enjoying my time with it so far. My name is Brandon Rosa, you can follow me on Xbox at Bros93. Hope you all have a great week, and keep on gaming.